Doctrine and Devotion's first annual West Coast Conference is going down Saturday, September 28th, 2019 in Rancho Santa Margarita, California at the Bridge Church. Our theme for this one-day micro-conference is Contending for the Gospel, Protecting Orthodoxy, and Promoting Unity. Stay tuned for more details. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Haven't seen you much this week. Mm-mm, it's been a busy week. You've been busy. Busy. Busy, busy. Traveling. traveling. Yep. Back. Mm-hmm. I'm home. I'm home for now. For now? When are you going back out? Maybe next week. Maybe ne- week. Next week, meaning this coming week or the week after this coming week? Uh, Both. <laughs> Both. I need I need my Jimmy time. And yeah, my, my I, need, I need a vacation time, so I'm probably gonna head down south. It's here. been at least three months. Yeah, it's been at least three months since my last vacation. To... So I need to head on uh, head on down south, and I gotta for sure head to Atlanta at some point coming up, and then yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, today, Saturday. Had an elders meeting. Yep. It was good. Always really good. Is. Love the elders meeting, especially when Pat's not there. Oh. So, no, just teasing Pat. Pat couldn't be there because he is busy uh, putting together training, or not putting together, but actually organized and put together the whole training thing for the kids. Teacher, teachers for the kids. I don't know what it is. I'm not involved in it, but yeah. something about training and teachers and children's ministry and stuff. So, you know, pr- you know protection for the children, protection for the uh for the teachers and volunteers. Oh, this is the policy safety procedure stuff. Yep. Okay, yep, yep, cool, yep. cool, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you know what's going on. Well, in I, I just don't know how to say it, you know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't. I just I, said it. Yeah, but I don't know how. Now I know. Yeah. Okay. Safety. Okay. That's the health word. Health and safety. It's like yeah. your health and safety. Yeah, that can be your safe word. So um, what else? Uh, we had elders meeting and then... We've got uh, an elders fellowship tonight. tonight. Yeah, we're all going to get back together over at Pastor Brian's house. Do you know what he has over there now? No. A trampoline. Oh. He has a brand new trampoline. I got over there and uh, he had already put it together and assembled it like at six in the morning. I got there at like nine. He's like, yeah, I've got it done real early. So I think you and I should oh, yeah. jump on it and like just keep all the kids off it. Uh, I haven't even been on my trampoline. I know, but that's what we're going to go do it on his. Yeah. Let's, let's tell you what. If we can just kind of roll onto it. I just, we'll just sit there and, and just smoke. sit and smoke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. I don't want to jump. I don't think that would be a good idea. How mad would all the kids be? We're like, nah, uh, adult time. Yeah. So it's, it's like adult swim. Like everybody, everybody else trampoline. <laughs> yeah, get out. Jofo time. Get out. All right. So what are we talking about today, Jimmy? Well, hold on. What, uh, what are we doing? Are we talking about something else? Yes. You know what? I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. Okay. It's an end of an era. Because, come on, we can praise God together with our listeners, can't we? Sure. Your mom. Oh, come yeah. on, come on. I don't on. know what you're talking about. We got to talk about that. All right, you so, got to at least mention it. All right, so a lot of you guys know that um, you know we've been. We, my mom and dad live with my family, and uh, used to be mom, dad, grandma. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. It was a little retirement community. Uh, grandma had some strokes. We had to transition her out. She passed away. My mom has, has had several strokes. She's in a wheelchair and she can't take care of herself at all. So my dad and us and we have a helper come in. We take care of her. But uh, we have been looking for an opportunity to put my mom into a, a full-time care facility because 
she has needs now beyond what we were capable. Yeah. And you guys have been carrying, trying to do that for at least a year and a half, two years. It's about two years. Yep. And so we just found a spot for her. It's close by. My dad can drive to it. We can stop in every day. People there are really good. Mom's in taken care of. And so, yeah, that's a, that, or it's sad, man, because, you know, you, you your parents get old uh, mm-hmm. and, the, and they're suffering these kinds of afflictions. It's pretty discouraging, right? It's heartbreaking. And then when you when you can't take care of them and you have to put them in a home, unless you're just a heartless person that doesn't like care and you just want to get rid of people. If you actually love your family, you don't want to put them That's in right. a home, but you have to. And so yeah. mixed, uh, mixed emotions about it. It's, it's, it's pretty hard to let her go there, yeah. but it's ultimately good for her and better for uh, the family. And I think, um, I think God's going to use it for good in a lot of ways. My dad can start coming to church again because he we go. didn't want to leave my mom in the house. Yep. Not by herself. Yeah, he's right. So, he's a loving, uh, very loving husband. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a good man. Man. So well, yeah. praise God, man. We're and, all excited. We've been praying for a long time and, and really yeah. excited that it finally came through. Yeah. I'm grateful that God took forever to answer that prayer. <laughs> he, he does that he yep. waits he knows the proper time yep it's just but it's never my time no, it's no, never, no, no. he no, no, never no. consults me god mm. never asks for my input on when he should do something he has his own time and it is never when i think it should be nope i just nope. noticed that you're still oh, you, you just noticed I, it well i noticed it every time oh okay. uh, so I, I just noticed it again with it like there it is yeah once again once not again, on my not time schedule time. glad he's sobbing and i'm not so today we're going to be going through uh 1689 chapter 19 paragraph Two. We're on the law, yo. All right. So God's I'm, law. All right. I'm going to read this. God's law. God's, God's law. law. Here we go. The same law that was first written in the heart of man continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness after the fall and was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in 10 commandments and written in two tablets. The four first containing our duty towards God and the other six our duty to man. Yeah, yeah. So what we're doing here is we're, we're, we're going to touch on the law in a couple of different forms, getting you guys ready, because next time when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the threefold division of the law, mm-hmm. moral, civil, ceremonial, oh. Oh, and we're going to oh. talk about the three uses of the law. Oh. We'll get into all that next time. Ooh. This time, we're going to keep it pretty simple, and uh, we have some general application for you um, as we're working our way through it. But uh, you know, we, uh, we love the law. We actually do, and you should. Like actually love the law because it is God's right. It is uh, it is holy, just, and good. Mm-hmm. This is um, this isn't anything that we should be saying is is bad, terrible. We shouldn't ignore it. A lot of Christians uh, take that approach, and so what we want to do is we want to talk about this idea of the law being written on the heart, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten. And uh, and then we're going to talk about some practical takeaways for everybody. Sound good? For sure. So for the law on the heart, uh, the 1689 uh, chapter 19 paragraph two begins. The same law that was first written in the heart of man continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness after the fall. The law was written on the heart of man. Yeah. Hmm. So, so that, it didn't say that in Genesis, though. It didn't say it was written in the heart of man. It just it, so let's just like recap it a little bit here. Okay. In the garden, uh, God creates man and woman. In his image. Yep. Right? Both in his image. And uh, he gives them commands, doesn't he? What are, what, are, what are some of those commands? Uh, be fruitful, multiply. I like that one. You, yeah, that's the one. That one's yeah. still good. That one's still great. <laughs> you know, uh, be a steward over all this. Mm-hmm. Exercise a godly dominion over the garden and creation. And eat of everything except that. Yeah, except, except that, that apple. Except that one thing. Don't touch that. No, don't not touch an apple. Them. Apple's like the worst fruit. It's definitely not the apple. Pear? Uh, pear's better than apple. Apricot? Ooh. What are you doing? You have no idea. <laughs> this would be like a juicy, like like it'd be like uh, like a pomegranate. Oh, uh, or jackfruit. maybe it'd be like what? Jackfruit. 
Yeah, it's jackfruit. Okay. I don't know what that is. Aww. Anyways, so um, yeah, lot, lots of commands, right? Um, but at the same time, there is the – and of course, the stipulations are obey me and live, uh, yep. disobey me and you'll die, right? So that's the covenant yep. of works. We've talked about that before. So there's this understanding uh, among Reformed theologians in particular that uh, that those are not the only laws that are in place during – uh, the garden before the fall, and of course after the fall, hmm. that uh, that the laws that you see uh, revealed in the Ten Commandments very explicitly and in a specific way were still in play, uh, or not still they, they were in play before before this before the fall that they were actually written on the heart of Adam. In fact, they would say like very clearly, uh, well, it was still it would still be a sin for Adam to murder. Like couldn't. Couldn't kill somebody. Couldn't kill his wife, for yeah, example. Even though it didn't say didn't that. Say it. Didn't say it. But okay. So all of those laws are 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 in effect even before they are revealed at Mount Sinai, even before sin began, because those laws um, emanate from the very character of God. They are perpetually binding on all people at all times, uh, because they are not cultural specific. Mm -hmm. They are not temporary. They are true because they stem from the very character of God. But so some people talk about, oh God, it doesn't say though that those laws were in place there in the garden. Where do we get this idea that it was written on the heart? Well, Romans uh, 2, uh, 14 to 16 says, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Mm. Okay, so that's a, that's a great passage and it, it says a lot. But the point here to start is that the Gentiles, right, who haven't been given the law yep. of the promises, they didn't yep. grow up in Israel, they don't know the prophets, they don't know all these Gentiles are pagans of various sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet they do by nature what the law requires. Yeah, they, they, they live as if they are keeping the law. Right. As if they know that hey, it's, it's wrong to take stuff that's not communal property or doesn't belong to you. Yeah, that it, it's wrong to kill, to yeah, steal. To, can't, can't be murdering people unless they really ask for it. Oh, then, then it's okay. <laughs> then it's just justifiable homicides. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, they, they, we, we live according to that. And he, in fact, he says – Paul says that the work of the law is written on their hearts, so their consciences are bearing witness, either saying what you're doing is right and what yeah. you're doing is wrong. It's sort of what the conscience does. It's just sort of like a detector, right? You're crossing the line. You're not crossing the line. Now, our consciences are not perfect. They are corrupted mm-hmm. by the fall. There is um, – you know, sometimes our consciences can be seared or calloused. Mm-hmm. We don't always do the right thing, and we don't always care that we're not doing the right thing. And yet we know there's this great example that C.S. Lewis tells in his – I think it was in his book, Mere Christianity. Yeah, yeah, Jiminy Cricket on the shoulder. No, uh, oh. where he says like two men are on a train. Uh, one guy has his seat and he puts his stuff down. He's riding the train. He's enjoying the train ride. He gets up to go to the bathroom, right? And he's probably in there for a long time, you know, because you got, you got the travel. You, when you're traveling, you know, the movements slow down, build up. Things look a little off. So uh, you go, the, the travel long, trots. Yeah, yeah. Tra- you got the travel trots. So he's in there doing the travel trot. You're real proud of that one. I am. And then, I am actually really proud of that on the spot. He, he, <laughs> he comes back to his seat and there's another dude in his seat and he's like, hey, man, you're in my seat. I need it back. And the guy's like, this is not your seat. This is my seat. And he's like, what are you talking about? I I, I, I got my ticket. I sat down there. I put my bag down, the whole thing. I just went to the bathroom. And the guy says, well, yeah, but you left. And when you left, the seat became vacant and now it is mine. And there is an agree- there's an agreement between them throughout this whole argument that stealing is wrong. 
Mm-hmm. They both agree stealing is wrong. Even the guy that maybe stole this seat agrees. No, stealing is wrong, but I didn't steal. Yeah, it it's, was vacated. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You you had the travel trots, and the, listen, that that kind of save you from. You should have left a book on your seat or something. That would have been fair. So the point is, is that uh, both men want to argue that they are in the right, and they agree in this law without ever mentioning it. Like mm. This law is is something that is agreed upon. So that's the work of the law written on the heart. And um, I mean, ultimately, that just leaves that all people are accountable uh, mm. to God for their disobedience. Right. Exactly, exactly. Without without knowing it or not, it's written on their hearts. There's this this sense, this conscience, this understanding um, of what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. And Paul says, like, you're going to be held accountable. You, you don't know the Ten Commandments. You never heard the Ten Commandments. It was never read to you. You didn't grow up in the synagogue. You didn't go to church. You didn't. Your parents didn't catechize you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Because the work of the law is written on your heart by God. It's impressed upon you just by virtue of being made in God's image. You know it's wrong to do the wrong thing, and you do it anyways. So there will be accountable. There will be an accounting for what we have done. There are consciences. That's really what they do. Like they tell us what's right and what's wrong. And you know one of the things that your conscience is telling you right now, Jimmy? One of the things that everybody's conscience is telling them? What's it telling them? They need to get to the uh, Doctrine and Devotion West Coast Conference Saturday, September 28th. In uh, come on now, say eggs, it. Ranch, eggs Ranchero, Santa Monica, <laughs> Santa Margarita, Ranchero. Santa, uh, California freaks me out with like the three words in the one city name, Rancho Santa Margarita, California. It's going to be at the Bridge Church. Check it out, guys. Bridge Church, Foursquare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, yeah, we're yeah, going. You know what? They love Jesus, and so we're we're having our conference there. They're not a Reformed Baptist church. And we don't care. Nope. So, nope. 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 And they're happy to have us. We're happy to be there. So that's where we're going to be having it, right? At the so, bridge. Yeah, what are we? What are we going to be doing? What's our topic? Well, we're going to be talking about contending for the gospel, how to protect orthodoxy, and promote unity. Like mm. we got to do both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of people, like they, I, we, we get the impression that they want to protect orthodoxy, but they don't really have much of an interest in maintaining unity, um, except with the people that they're already in agreement with. It's almost like if that person's going in the wrong direction. Uh, we're just going to cut them off and let them go, and uh, and we're going to like fight for what is right, not your right to party, but no. fight for what is right in God's eyes. And so, like we want to, we want to talk about this in some some helpful ways. We want to we want to encourage people to fight biblically, but graciously, right? You, you have to contend, but you're supposed to contend with your brothers and sisters That's right. with kindness, right? So, what does it mean to call out a heretic? And how does that differ from calling out a brother or a sister who's an heir? That's, That's what we're right. going to get into Saturday, September 28th in California, the first Doctrine and Devotion West Coast Conference. I can't wait. Jimmy, where do they go to get the details and register? DoctrineDevotion.com slash West. That's, you know, why? Because it's on the, it's west, on the, west, it's coast. On the west Coast. That's there why people go. can find it that way. There you go. So now, so now that everyone's done the right thing, mm-hmm. that their conscience has told them to and they've do registered. and they've registered for mm-hmm. the conference – when we talk about the Big Ten, you talked about you said, "Hey, there's 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 a Big Ten. Are we, are we talking? I mean, I didn't know you like football, college football. And what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite team? Well, I like the um, the San Antonio Raptors. Who? Those are those are good. I like uh, the Sancho Margarita uh, Renegades. Yeah, these are. Hey, you know we're recording on the tenth. Right now we're recording. It's August tenth, yeah, yeah. right? Is that what it is? It's August tenth. Yep. Okay. In 1984, on August 10th, you know what happened? What? The Wolverines united to take on the Russians after they invaded America. All right. Red Dawn, everybody. There we go. Red Dawn. (laughs) All right. So, Joe, when we talk about the Big Big Ten. Ten. (laughs) 1689 (laughs) continues. And was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in Ten Commandments and written in two tables, the first four containing our duty towards God and the other six our duty to man. 
It's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, people, when they're, when they're new to the Christian faith um, or they're new to Bible study and they're new to these things, sometimes they don't realize that there are two tablets yeah. um, or tables or, you know, two divisions, however you want to say it, that um, to the law. And when you, when you read this, right, the first four uh, are very, very uh, uh, vertical, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it, 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 it has to do with us and our relationship to God. It deals with having no other gods before him, not worshiping God in an incorrect way, not using God's name in vain, and of course, resting, right? Uh, keeping the Sabbath. And then there are the other six that have to deal with honoring father and mother yep. and not killing and not stealing line and all that yep. stuff. False witness. So yep. the, we got these, the, these two tables that are a summary of God's moral law. And it is a, another, it's a, basically it's a revelation of the law that is written on man's heart, hmm. but it is a revelation of the law that is written in man's heart that is placed into a very particular covenantal context, right? The old covenant context. And so as we, as we, as we've walked through these commandments in the past, and we're going to link to those in the show notes, I've already done it. I've oh, already typed the whole thing job. up. Good job. So you can, you can go through all 10 of our episodes exploring the 10 commandments. So while the, the moral law of God, the, these 10 commandments, uh, given to us at Mount Sinai is an expression of what is in the heart. Uh, it shows that the law that was written on the heart of Adam continued after the fall, right? It's still binding. And then when it comes to Mount Sinai, these laws are articulated in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's Michelle. Jimmy's wife just popped in. Hey, what's, what's up? up? Oh, was that, you going to buy us lunch or something? Well, okay, never mind. No, just, just, not, okay. She texts me she needs some cash. Yeah. I need some cash. Well, you can't have that cash. Well, I'm putting my wallet away. Big fat wallet Stop out. Stop it! Well, you just gave her like what? You peel off three hundred dollar bills for her Stop to go to lunch. It. What's Stop that all about? <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. He didn't do that. It was four. All right. <laughs> he played around with three hundred dollars. So, um, so we're gonna we're gonna get into that uh, in a little bit. But essentially, what we would want to say is, as you'll hear if you go back to those previous episodes, is the essence of the fourth commandment is still in play. Even though uh, it is it is kept in the new covenant in a way that is different than mm-hmm. the way it was kept in the old covenant, so we can talk about that later. But these these ten commandments, right? A further revelation of the law of God yep. in. And, and these are valuable. You guys should care about the Ten Commandments, particularly how they are unpacked and applied. All ten of them in the New Testament. It's not just nine of them. I'm tired of like you guys keep saying like. Well, like, uh, I believe in all nine of the Ten Commandments, you know, the nine that are repeated in the New Testament. Well, yeah, Jesus teaches on the Sabbath and Sabbath keeping as well. So they're all, all, all ten are, yep. are in the New Testament. So, so yep. get playing. Anyway, um, you should actually have them memorized. I think it's one of like, we, there's a lot of things you can memorize. I don't think you need to memorize what was made on what day of the week during creation. I don't think that's as important. Now, I think all the theological truths you should know very well from the creation account, but uh, I think it is important for you to actually know what the Ten Commandments are. And it's interesting. I'm going to guess most pastors probably can't list all ten. Like, I, I'm guessing that most just can't do it, certainly not in order. Uh, I know most Christians can't. I, there, there's been enough surveys done to show that that's just not the case. It's not going to make you uh, instantly holy. It's not going to make you better than anybody else mm-hmm. by memorizing the Ten Commandments. But knowing the law of God is valuable. It's, it's a way of storing God's word in your heart. Um, it is a way – it is something that God uses to encourage you to not only store it but to use it, right, to meditate on it and then to apply it to your life. So, uh, you know, because, you know, we read in Scripture that uh, that the law is holy, just, and good, it is something that you ought to um, take seriously. So, hey, look, you know what? 
Give the Ten Commandments a read, memorize them, teach them to your kids, but then make sure that you're giving them instruction in the Ten Commandments in, in relevant, practical ways for their for their age appropriate lives. Right? Let's yeah, uh, for sure. Let's talk about so let's get to the takeaway, Jimmy. Like, what what do we want people to be thinking as they're going throughout their day, throughout throughout their week, as they consider uh, this paragraph and the law of God? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, often, or at least I, I hear often from from some believers, or maybe not, yeah, just that. Uh, God's law is is it's not an effect, right? It doesn't apply. To I'm not me. under law. I'm, I'm under not grace. under the yeah. I'm under I'm under this covenant of grace, not this covenant of the law. But no, God's law is still in effect, right, for all of us. Yeah, it matters. Listen, you can't read the Psalms. You can't read Romans. Just two examples, two big books, right, in the Old Testament and New Testament. You can't read those books and walk away and think the law. Does relevant. not apply to yeah, me. Yeah, you can't read that. The law should be your delight. Yeah. The law can be a rule for God to live. I mean, it certainly is, but it should be in your life. And so um, I love this. I think that's a really good point, Jimmy. The law is still in effect, not as a covenant of works, mm-hmm. but as a rule for God to living. We'll get into that next time in greater detail. I think another takeaway is that um, it's important to know and to keep in mind specifically here that – all people are condemned for yeah. law breaking. First John tells us that Lawless. that's what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. Yep. It's law breaking. And there isn't anyone, regardless of whether or not they are Jewish or Christian, grew up in a synagogue or the church, regardless of whether their parents taught them or Sunday school taught them, everybody is condemned for breaking the law. And this creates uh, the need that everyone has, whether they're aware of it or not, the need for salvation, need for redemption, need for uh, a, a deliverer of sorts. Yeah, I mean, that, that just means like we need a law keeper, right? Matthew 5, 17. Mm. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So here, I mean, again, you're seeing, all, you're, you're seeing it here. God's law is in effect still, right? It's in effect. Yep. Uh, we're all going to be judged by it, and we need the law keeper, Jesus, to fulfill them. Listen. Um, and I like jot or tittle. That's what I like. I like the old school. The old school I like, jot I, or tittle. I, 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 iota. Iota. Nor a dot. Come on. So, um, yeah, th- listen, Jesus did not come to abolish the law. Now, it is true that Jesus is uh, an end to the law yep. for righteousness, but not for godliness. In Romans 10, 1 through 4, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, this is Paul speaking of, of his Jewish brothers and sisters, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Mm -hmm. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So here's what he's saying. Uh, there, There are these people that he loves that he cares about, and they are ignorant of the righteousness of God. That is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ to all who believe. They don't understand. When they think of the righteousness of God, they think like Martin Luther used to think before he was converted, that it's God's standard that I have to measure up to. So they seek to establish their own. The righteousness of God is is what he requires, and I have to somehow measure up. My righteousness has to meet that standard. Therefore, they cannot and do not submit to God's righteousness, the offer of Christ's righteousness. This is why he can say Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, mm-hmm. because he, he is the law keeper that Jimmy said. He's the law keeper. He is the guilt cleanser. He is the one who uh, brings salvation and deliverance to all the condemned who believe. So this is... 
when we think about like, how should I be taking these things into my life and walking away with them? Yeah, God's law is in effect and all are condemned and we need a law keeper and that law keeper is Jesus. Hmm. So Joe, we've said that uh, the big takeaway is God's law is in effect. All are condemned. We need a law keeper. Is there anything else missing? Well, I think just to, just to kind of put a finer point on it, we need a guilt cleanser, right? So we, 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 we've said that the, Jesus keeps the law. Um, and that's good. He keeps the law for us. But even if Jesus keeps the law for us, we have still broken the law. So we need to be cleansed. We need forgiveness. Mm. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 is, is a good place to go. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So here we have Christ's passive righteousness, his death on the cross, um, whereby we are cleansed, and his active righteousness, his fulfilling of the law actively throughout his life. This is our hope when we look at the law. So when you look at the law, you're going to feel some guilt because you're, it's going to reflect uh, your errors. In fact, in and it, there's this book that was written not too long ago called Note to Self. And uh, and in that book- I heard are, it did really well. It did okay. It did a lot better than the second book. Yeah, the second book, nobody knows about that second book. But in Note to Self, um, I argue that the law essentially tells us what's right, what's wrong, and what's needed. It tells us what's right, God's ways, God's will, and that's grace. And that What a gift for him to tell us that. And what's wrong is us. We don't keep those laws. We don't keep those ways. But what's needed, what's needed is a savior. What's needed is righteousness. What's needed is forgiveness. We have all of that in Jesus. So the person that thinks the law of God is irrelevant or of no effect, well, you really don't have grounds for saying that anyone is condemned. And you don't really have a reason to say that anyone needs a savior. Uh, and you don't really have any work that uh, Jesus is able to accomplish on behalf of those who are in need. The law is in effect the law is relevant, and uh, this is why Chapter 19 is so important to us. Mm. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram and Twitter, at Doc and Devo, or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, drfoshit.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast, or hit up the store, joefostore.com, and grab some gear. Listen, September 28th is coming up. You're going to mm-hmm. want to head on over to doctrineandevotion.com slash west. Register for the conference, Contending for the Gospel, Protecting Orthodoxy and Promoting Unity. And we haven't even released yet the Friday night meetup. Oh, yeah. Friday meetup's going to be lit. It's going to be literally. Lit. So, yes, once we, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty soon we'll, we'll start sending out to all the oh. attenders. We'll, we'll receive notice on what we're going to be doing. And uh, guess what? Thursday, we're going to let you know uh, who the main sponsor is of the conference. So, stay tuned. Fresh Pod, everybody, at Thursday blog posts on Wednesdays, video content on Fridays. Later. Later.